Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our senior pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we know that your spirit is in this place. We, we can feel that power as we gather, as we sing, as we pray, and as we fellowship with one another. We pray that that spirit strengthens us and invites us to go out into the world to make a difference because you have made a difference in us. As we continue in our series of knowing who you are, as we move our way to the cross and ultimately to the empty tomb, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So as I we're talking about and thinking about this series of Jesus the Stranger and, and coming together with the titles and the, uh, the scriptures of a part of this series. I came across a memory and you know, I, I spent uh, several years as a youth pastor and uh, I'm currently enjoying the work that I do with uh, the youth in our church, uh, helping them through confirmation. And I see several different confirmands that I've had over the years uh, here in this church. And the, the thing that I've noticed about confirmands is that when they are in sixth grade, they really don't want you around that much especially this old pastor guy. They, they really don't care to have him around. I remember one time, and, and I'm not going to look in specific directions because one of them is here. Is here. <coughs> but I remember uh, going to a, a CeCe's Pizza once with uh, three young ladies who were a part of my confirmation class. And, and while we were at that CeCe's Pizza, we, we paid for their meal, and they went through the line, and they went to a place kind of away and when I and Miss Wanda decided to go and try to sit near them, we were told, no, we don't know you. Get away from us. You're embarrassing us. So we went and we sat down and that started a little conversation between me and Wanda. And you know what that conversation was all about. What in the world do you think we can do to embarrass these girls? And sure enough, I think we found a good and sufficient way to, to make them embarrassed in the middle of the CC's Pizza in Rockwall, Texas. Hey, it's time to go. Let's go. Calling them all by individual name, which I'm not going to say because one of them is here today, and she's already turning bright red. So I don't know the man. I don't know who he is. That's kind of where we're headed today. We're headed that way because we're back talking about Peter. And if we started the series out, we started with Peter, with uh, the disciples and with Jesus. And, and, and Peter makes this grand pronouncement that, that he knows who, who Jesus is. 
Well, some of the disciples said, well, people say that you're John the Baptist, or, or people say you're Elijah or the prophet. Peter is the one that made the proclamation, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. A and that set Peter on a trajectory, if you will, to, to help him boldly proclaim who Jesus is long after Jesus ascended into the heavens. But, but I wanted to quickly kind of go through a little bit of Peter's story here from that moment in Matthew chapter 16 up until our scripture today just to say that there was a lot going on for Peter. I, I would highly recommend, you know, it wouldn't take you that long just to start at that story of, of, of Jesus, of Peter proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior in Matthew 16 all the way through this passage in Matthew 26 and just sit down and read it maybe take you about 15 minutes to do so, but it, it, it's something that if you see it play out, you can see his, his, his hesitancy or, or why he acted, why he did. So, so he just proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah of the world. And then the very next chapter, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he takes them to the Mount of Transfiguration. And if you're familiar with the story, Jesus and Peter, James, and John go up there, and, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up, and, and Jesus is just radiant. He is shining all over the place, and, and Peter comes up with this great idea because, you know, he just said who Jesus was. He says, we need to mark this place as special. We need to mark this place because uh, we, we, we need to put like three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So everybody can, can come up here and experience that moment that, that we just experienced. And, and Jesus kindly and, and gently told him, don't say anything. There's nothing here for us to, to broadcast now. You know, this was not for the world, but this is for us. And for us to see who I am. So they, they move on. And then later in chapter 19, Jesus is talking to a rich young ruler. And the, the rich young ruler is, is asking the question, what do I need to do to, to receive eternal life? And Jesus answers, well, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the rich young ruler says, oh, I've done that all my life. What else do I need to do? How, how can I earn this salvation you are talking about? And Jesus looks at him lovingly and says, well, just sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler just kind of looks down, lost, because he doesn't want to do any of that, and he, he, he takes off. And the, Jesus continues this lesson to the disciples, and he says, you know, it is, it is hard for a rich man to enter heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to go to heaven. And what Jesus is saying there, you know, we, we, we get so caught up in our stuff. And, and our stuff is so important and valuable to us. We, we don't want to let that go. So, so we miss the kingdom around us when we're focused on our stuff, on, on what we have. Well, well, Peter pipes up again here, and, and he says, well, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And that's a very important question for Peter. 
because Peter was a very successful fisherman, and, and he left everything back at the Sea of Galilee to, to follow Jesus. So, so basically, he had nothing. And then Jesus gives him this little lesson saying that the first will be last, and the last will be first. It, it, it's a reminder. And that reminder that we have is that we are not called to, to take over the world in the way that we may think about taking over the world. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to serve others. We are called to, to lay down those things that we think in our minds are important and pick up that one thing that is absolutely important, and that is faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now we finally get to chapter 26, the chapter where our, our passage is in, but there's a whole lot more that happens before we get to our passage. You notice that we're in verse 69 through 75, so there's a whole 68 verses that happen before we get to this particular passage. And, and in this particular passage, Jesus is, is eating with his disciples. And, and as he's eating with them, he's talking about how he will be led away and, and how all of the disciples were going to, to basically scatter and he will be left alone. Well, well Peter w won't have any of that. So, so, so Peter makes this bold proclamation, even if all else fall away on account of you, I never will. And, and Jesus questions him a little bit more, and, and, and Peter doubles down. He says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. After Jesus finishes this teaching and they finish their meal, he takes them all out to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And once again, while all the disciples are gathered here, he takes Peter, James, and John, and they walk off to a secluded place, and they, Jesus starts praying. And Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples, they all fall asleep. And Jesus wakes them up three times, and then along comes Judas with the Roman soldiers and the leaders of the synagogue, and they arrest Jesus. And Jesus and the leaders of the synagogue and the Roman soldiers, they head off, and Peter follows because he wants to be there to see what happens to the Messiah. And that brings us up to our scripture, which is Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or you can follow along with the words that are printed on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. 
And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what exactly is happening in this passage? I, I think it's interesting to, to take a look and seeing the, the transition that Peter makes from, from somebody who was bold and sure and, and absolutely 100% there to somebody who will, will turn on an instant to allow Jesus to go through all that he has to go through all by himself while watching safely from a distance or I'm sure what Peter thought was safely at a distance. I think some of the things that we can, we can look at this passage is that, that Peter, what he's trying to do, he is trying to fit in with the crowd. That just kind of piggybacks a little bit on what Pastor Francis talked about last week with, with Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea kind of saying, well, we, we want to follow Jesus privately, but when we get out in the public, we want to make sure that we, we fit in with everybody else. I tell you, it is so easy to be bold and courageous for the Lord when we're around other Christian people. It, it is so easy to be able to proclaim that Christ is the Lord and Savior of our lives while we're here in this room. We, 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 we say the prayers loudly. We, we sing the hymns with gusto, or as John Wesley would say, lustfully. And, and, and we, we know that we can do that in this safe space, if you will. But, but when we go out into the world and we may be challenged by somebody because of what we believe or, or the way we may stand on an issue here or there, it can become difficult. It can become difficult because then we, we have to make an answer for what we believe in. We have to answer for, for who we say is our Lord and Savior. And, and I think the way that we can pull these two things together is because we as Christians live as people with hope. We know here in 2023 that what we are talking about, Jesus being pulled away and tortured and sent to the cross, that's not the end of the story. We live within the hope of resurrection. And because we live in that hope of resurrection, we can then boldly proclaim that. Even at times where we don't know exactly what it is that we can do, just like I believe Peter at that time had no idea how he could move forward, but he also knew that he needed to be there. See, see, Peter had his own strength moment. If you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane when, when Judas and the Roman soldiers and the servants and the, the leaders of the synagogue were there to, to drag Jesus away, Peter was the one who pulled out a sword and cut off an ear of one of the servants. 
I'm sure he was going, well, that'll serve them. That, that'll show them. That they don't know that they can't come and mess with us because he had the 12 disciples around him. He had Jesus with him. But there in the courtyard, he was outnumbered. And so in his outnumberedness, he shrunk away. He, he swore that he did not know Jesus. He even draw curses down on himself. Th this lesson is something that I think kept with Peter as he grew and after he experienced the resurrection, as he experienced the growth of a new church. And in one of his epistles that he wrote, 1 Peter verses three, chapter, chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, he wrote, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. There's that word, for that hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, see, these are the words that, that Peter, going through all that he has gone through, going through the, the proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of the world to being humiliated and, and shamed there on the courtyard as Jesus is being dragged away for crucifixion and, and seeing the birth of the new church, he knows that what held us all together was hope in the resurrection and hope in who Jesus really is. I think the other thing that happened to Peter during this moment was that not only did he forget about the hope, but he forgot the words that Jesus told him and James and John to stop and watch and pray. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter fell into a moment of temptation. The temptation that he fell into was the temptation of, of trying to fit in, of trying to, to make sure that he was, if you will, on the right side of history. To, to, to make sure that while everything was going on with Jesus, he was taken care of. And, and safe to make sure that he wasn't the next one to be dragged away and hung on a cross. I think it reminds us that temptation often comes when we are not watching, when we are not on guard for the world around us. And I tell you, I know that we need to be on guard a lot, not so that we can check off the boxes to make sure that we don't sin, but so that we are following what it is that God calls us to do. That's why I've been passing out these spiritual practices throughout the season of Lent and before, and we'll, we'll keep doing that. It gives you an opportunity to practice, to stay on guard, and to watch and pray so that we are living and following 
the life that Jesus calls us to live. James Bryant Smith calls the spiritual practices and, and living a life like this, uh, doing mind discipleship. It's basically following what's there in Colossians 3 when we are told to set our hearts and minds on things above and allowing those things to, to guide us, allowing those things to lead us to live our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ so that when we have those moments, well, like Peter had the moment there in the courtyard, that we can say, yes. I know who Jesus is, and I follow him, and I live my life for him every single day. And not fall into the trap of sectioning Jesus away to a specific moment or a specific time where we acknowledge him, where then the rest of the week we just play lip service to who he is. You know, I could end the sermon right there, but I, I just can't. And the reason why I can't is because I want to make sure you hear the good news. That even though Peter at this time denied who Jesus was and, and he turned and he ran, there is restoration. There, there is hope. That if we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, after Jesus has resurrected, he has met the disciples on a beach of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were out fishing, and, and they weren't catching anything, and Jesus tells them to cast their nets on the other side, and they brought in a whole bunch of fish, and they, they go and they meet Jesus on the beach. But before they go and meet Jesus on the beach, Peter doesn't wait for the oars to start rowing. He jumps into the water and he heads directly to Jesus. He heads directly to Jesus because he wants to be in Christ's presence. And while Peter is in Christ's presence, Jesus restores him. Jesus gives him this, this life, this promise that because of Peter's love for him, he will do great things for his church. And if we look in the book of Acts, we see that, that Peter preached that very first sermon on Pentecost that, that drew people to him, and, and the church grew around him. And as he continued in his ministry, we saw how the church continued to grow because Christ was working in and through Peter. I don't know what's going through all of our lives, but I know what goes through mine. And I know that there are times where I get tempted and I fail. I know there are times in my life where it is easy for me to stand up and to proclaim who Jesus Christ is in my life. And there's times where I just want to sit back and just allow the world to move around me because I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to, to cause somebody to, to come at me, if you will, for, for what I believe in and for who I place my trust in. But the good news is, is that there's nothing that we can do to keep God's love for each one of us. There is nothing that we can do that will make Jesus go, you know, he had his chance 
We're just going to push them aside and move on to somebody else. Jesus calls all of us into a life of repentance, of, of a life of confession, so that we can boldly proclaim that he is the Lord of our life and we live within that hope. And we can give an answer, as Peter said, to anyone who asks us the reasons for our hope. And that reason is that we have life and we have it abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in your bulletin is our week four spiritual practice. And I invite you to follow along uh, at home during this week. And this one deals with confession. And I think it's a good reminder, as Marjorie Thompson, Marjorie Thompson says, confession unlocks a process of spiritual healing. Openness opens us to forgiveness, cleansing, reconciliation, and renewal. It gives us an opportunity to lay down those things that, that we may be holding on to that keeps us from being connected with Jesus. And one of the practices that I've practiced before is uh, taking a rock. It says to go for a walk and, and finding a rock and holding on to it. And while this says hold on to gently, I think of what I have done and I hold on to that rock so tight because I know that I have allowed that temptation or that sin to, to fully take a grasp of who I am. And when I'm ready to release it, not just lay it down gently, but just throw that sucker. Just throw it so far away and saying, God, because of your forgiveness in my life, I know that that sin is no longer a part of who I am. And then allow an opportunity to respond. However God leads you, to respond so that you may feel that love and forgiveness in your life. Because what God wants more than anything else is for us to be whole and to allow that wholeness to be shared with others. Let us pray. Oh God, you give us hope. I know there are some times in our lives we may not feel that hope in and around us. We may feel that we are like Peter after the third time he denied Christ. And we sit on the outside and weeping. But God, we know that you continually invite us in to experience life to experience abundant life, a life that we can only receive in and through you. So guide us and lead us, Lord. Lead our lives to confession so that we too may proclaim that you are the Lord of our life. And we pray all of this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.